Welcome back to our monthly podcast, The Call to Foster. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. And I'm Jessica Hugstep. I'm a supervisor with the Southeast Regional Resource Unit. We are very excited for today's episode. We've got some very special guests, um, and I will let them introduce themselves. So, Brandon and Elizabeth? Uh, yes, uh, this is Brandon Matthews. Pleasure to be here. And this is Liz Matthews. All right. Thank you, guys. So um, you are current foster parents for the Missouri Children's Division. Um, let's just jump right in. So Brandon and Elizabeth, what brought you to our agency and what triggered you to become a foster parent? Well, let's see. We actually started down this road in Arkansas. We live in southern Missouri, and before we had moved, into southern Missouri. We lived just over the state line in Arkansas. So we had started the process of becoming a registered or a licensed foster home in Arkansas. Um, but then, as it turned out, we needed a larger home with more bedrooms to you know, accommodate uh, more kids. So we ended up moving just over the state line and we started the process over in Missouri. Uh, so we've actually gone through that process twice in two different states. But uh, that's kind of what got us started. Um, probably our reason for doing so is that we had always had like a vision or a plan to someday adopt. And so our primary goal initially was actually to adopt um, children that were eligible for adoption through um, the Children's Division. Um, but in that journey, we have been foster parents to see a dozen kids at this point. Wow. <laughs> I think so. And, you know, and part of, you know, the motivation, at least personally for me, is, you know, when my, when my father passed away, I found out that he wasn't my biological father but had adopted me. And so that was pretty incredible to know that he took that to the grave, that I was his child no matter what. And wow. So to just have the opportunity to be able to potentially be that for someone else, no matter who, or a couple of kids, you know, we were excited and both felt called yeah. to do so. So, Brandon, how... I and I, I just want to ask you real quick, and hopefully you want to share. How did that impact you, finding out that he wasn't your biological father? Yeah, I mean, in the moment, I was really angry, you know, because I had I had what most people probably don't. I had the opportunity in the last, you know, few days, few hours, to sit down and kind of clear any thing between my father and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was angry because he didn't bring it up when I said, is there anything else you want to share? And yeah. so um, I found out I had, um, you know, some other siblings from a previous relationship that he was in, a, a different marriage, and, and my family uh, got to meet them. But over the years, I've come to really appreciate that he didn't think it was necessary to share that yeah. because he viewed me as his own biological son. And so I think wow. that's way more valuable um, and a much better uh, experience than for him to say, oh, by the way, in my last few hours, you're not my biological son. I love you. Oh, my God. Wow. I I don't know what to say after that right now, Shasta. I really don't. I'm going to let you talk for a minute. <laughs> um, I So it's real personal for you, Brandon. I think that's um, – thank you for sharing that. Uh, I think – those who work for the agency and those of you who's fostering, we always hope that when kids do get adopted, that they are treated as their own and they are treated as biological. And I think that's just a really good example of, 
I mean, you thought he was your biological dad up until moments before he passed. So that is um, really moving. And um, again, I think goes to what you guys are doing now, which is fostering. So I think Elizabeth, you had you had mentioned that you had had was it twelve? You twelve placements of kiddos. Twelve ish. Yes, yes, we have. Yeah, we're on our twelfth kid right now. Wow. So, what's your age age group of kids that you accept in your home? So far, we have had um, a newborn, like, and uh, an eighteen year old. <laughs> so, wow. So we, we have, we've gone through the whole the whole range. We the eighteen uh, year old. Well, she came to us as a seventeen year old, and that was like, I don't know, a residency and being a parent to a teenager. <laughs> Yeah. All, all of the other children we've had in our home, uh, I think the oldest was 10. We had 10, 7, and everybody else has been under 5. Um, but the, the teenager has, you know, a cell phone, a car, a job. Uh, boyfriend. <laughs> boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we very quickly had to navigate a lot of things that we um, we just hadn't thought through before we said yes to the 17-year-old. Yeah. Um so just for listeners out there, they're probably thinking, what, they had an 18-year-old placed in their home? So I just want to clarify that in the state of Missouri, um, we can have kids in foster care up until the age of 21. Yes. Um, so it's not uncommon that we would have 18-year-old and up to 21-year-olds placed in foster care in a home. Um, so the, you just said something about you had to adapt really quickly to having a teenager in your home. Can you share a, a success, maybe with that specific teenager, um, where there's been there was challenges and you really had to navigate around those challenges? Yeah, I, I think probably one of the biggest things that we we had to learn from our experience with the with her was, I think so. She came to us. Um, the summer before her senior year, and she really wanted to stay at the high school that she'd been going to. Um, she didn't want to switch schools in her last year of high school, um, and we were the only home accepting foster kids at the time in her that would be in her school district. Um, so we we agreed, and so she she came to us while she was seventeen, and we sort of came at it from like a oh wow this is perfect we get to help her she's like launching her career or you know her life and like what happens after high school and you know we we've got so much we can help her with uh but that is not at all what she was looking for (laughs) she was looking for literally a a bed and a roof within her school district yeah (laughs) yeah um, we had to adjust our expectations and recognize that that you know it was it's okay that she didn't want that from us, um, and we were just we were you know we just had to learn to adjust our expectations and not not put our desires for her on her. Yeah, and and that's you know we as well intended as we were to say this is great we can you know mentor youth you know we both have had incredible mentors in our in our lives growing up and still have active mentors today, uh, some of the same people. And so we thought, we know we're not going to be mom or dad to this person, mm-hmm. but we can be that resource for them. And mm-hmm. I would I would say to other prospective and current foster parents, you know, you can learn a lot from the relationships and the, and the children coming to your home. So they may not want that now, but they may not um, 
seek that guidance or that counseling or mentorship that you want to offer. And sometimes you just have to get over yourself and 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 know that it's okay, uh, and that you can still provide a great environment and still do that in other ways. Even if you know he or she or whomever you're working with doesn't want to sit down and talk about what's life after graduation. Are you getting a job? Are you mm-hmm. doing something vocational? Are you get you know, more education or is your relationship with your boyfriend healthy? Yeah, right. <laughs> is job good for your schedule? Are you keeping up with your academics? I mean, it was. We, there were a lot of different challenges with that one. They were very different from all of the other kids that, yeah. that we have had, for sure. And one of the big things that I think she, that we realized she was working through while being in our home was that she, she, she was a child that had self-reported um, a, to Children's Division. Okay. So she carried a lot of guilt about yeah. that, and I think her family, her biological family, put a lot of guilt on her i guess or blame on her that results manifested as guilt and i think that she struggled to figure out like how to have a healthy relationship with us because she wasn't looking for a new family she has family and you know she still had contact with them because again she had a cell phone and a car and you know she so i think one thing we learned that i wish we had known sooner was that like she was intentionally holding back from us yeah because she was trying to make it clear that she was not looking for more family. Yeah. What so, courage it took for her to self-report. Yeah. I can only imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. I I think you just gave some great advice um, where it, what I'm hearing you say is sometimes, and Brandon, you said it best, that we you just kind of got to get over yourself, right, and meet, yeah. and meet the kids – and teens in this example, where they're at and what they need. And I think sometimes as adults, that's hard because you're right. I think we all, if you're a helping mindset, you want to get in and you want to help and you want to mentor and you want to see them successful, but maybe that's not their focus at that moment. And to, as a foster parent, to be okay with that and to meet them where they're at. I think that's excellent, excellent advice especially when we have older teens who are who are in foster care. Um, so it, I assume, is this girl still placed in your home, or did she leave? Yeah, so she turned 18 in November of her senior year of high school, and she applied for, um, you guys can probably help me out with the word, it was like, like an the independent living arrangement? Yeah, APPLA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's... So she applied for that and actually was able to... Able, she, we helped her transition out of our home. Okay. And she she was living independently until she... Well, she still lives independently. <laughs> but as far as we know, she's still in care, um, but living independently. Sure. So for the listeners, APPLA, um, that stands for another planned permanency living arrangement. Um, It's another permanency option for specifically older youth. Um, That's fantastic. So do you guys still stay connected to this young lady? We have reached out um, periodically and we've kind of kept in touch with her. Um, One great excuse for reaching out to her is we still get mail for her occasionally. Mm -hmm. So uh, that, you know, is an excuse to kind of check in, see how things are going, see if we can connect to get her mail. <laughs> um, 
that's that's been one thing we've learned through foster care is once a kid's been in your home, it seems like you're going to get mail for them for an indefinite period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you're talking about the different kiddos you've had in your home, I'm just curious, have you ever had a time that you've worked with a biological parent? And can you speak on that of how that went? Really, I think, well, not a lot. Um, We have, I guess some of the children that have been in our home have, they've, they they were short stays and we had a sibling group of three that um, they came into care and straight to our home. And then ultimately I think the the case didn't progress to even being heard by a judge, so they, they went back home. In that situation, we actually interacted with their mom because we met her and gave her her children back. Um, oh. So our interactions with her were very brief, um, but we got to see the emotion of that mother getting her children back after a week of not having them. And, um, I think that was a good, that was actually our first placement, and I think that was a good experience for us right out of the gate to right. just physically see that mom on the other side who had been without her children for a week and uh, the emotion and how she was clearly overjoyed to have her children back with her. Um, so, like, that interaction was brief but very impactful. Um, we, we had a few children that were, we were kind of like, maybe like a bridge placement, like they, mm-hmm. their their emergency placement couldn't keep them any longer and their long-term placement wasn't quite ready, so they were just with us for, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe another week we had a sibling group of three that way. Um, the current placement we have, um, we have only interacted directly with his mother once, mm-hmm. um, but even in that moment, that was at the first court hearing, um, you know, she asked if she could hold him. We said, yes, absolutely. And she was very gracious um, towards us and thanked us, which was kind of unexpected. You know, yeah. I think sometimes maybe we're seen as maybe not the enemy, but um, yeah. not an ally because we have their kid and, you know, you want your own child with you. And so, uh, you know, to be thanked and uh, for taking care of him and making sure he's healthy and, uh, you know, that was really gratifying in the moment. And, and like I said, something I wouldn't have expected. I, I yeah. quite frankly would expect maybe more animosity yeah. or, or hostility, but that, that, that definitely wasn't the case. And yeah. the reports we had heard from, like, the, the caseworker was that the mom was very frustrated and not wanting to cooperate. She was uncooperative because of her frustration. So we were sort of expecting, you know, kind of, Probably we weren't expecting pleasant interactions. I guess, right, going right. Into it. But we, she was just. I think we were shocked by how incredibly pleasant she was and thankful, and she just showered us with thanks and compliments. And Aww. it was, it was really, it was really nice to see. And I think probably speaks to, to her character. Yeah. Um, despite the situation she finds herself in now, but yeah. But, She's in a rough situation, but you know she still is. She's still a human who. You know, yep, that's exactly through that. It's a lot easier to give her a lot of grace, I guess. Yeah. So, um, 
you guys had mentioned that, uh, and I think this is very true, and I think other foster families probably feel this. Um, Brandon, you had said um, some some biological family, it feels like they have animosity towards towards you as foster parents. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with kind of, quote, unquote, being the bad guy? Um, how do you cope through that? Well, we really haven't had that experience personally. Um, you know, in the, with the biological family interaction, that just that hasn't been the case. Okay, that's great. Um, we have had, you know, um, grandparents reach out. Um, that want to have a relationship with a kid we have in care. Mm-hmm. They're afraid that, you know, that might damage their family relationship, you know, with, with their child that's got a child in care. And so there's been some navigating there, but we've worked, um, you know, with our caseworker to, you know, put in the, the right channels and we've been able to meet, you know, extended family that have wanted interaction. But we've been pretty fortunate uh, to have any of those uh, those interactions where, you know, you might be seen as kind of an enemy or with some animosity. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure that people have those experiences. Or mm-hmm. I think probably going into it, I assumed that maybe that's how we would, what we would be met with from biological families. But all the right. ones we've interacted with have <laughs> proven that that was not the case. They have been over the top, very kind and nice and thankful toward us. We've got a great smile between the two of us, so that's, that's you know, that yeah. makes it even better. But I'm glad you yeah. guys bring this up because I have heard this before, and I think um, people listening to this podcast may have a different viewpoint um, because of mm-hmm. what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. it sounds like like your example with the biological mom, like she was just really thankful and. Um, was showing some grace, and I, I, I think, I think that happens often. We just don't hear about it. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that example. Um, hopefully, it'll help the the listeners um, kind of have a better feeling and a better viewpoint of when, as a foster parent, you're working with biological family. Well, and you just got to really think about it from the biological parent's perspective. Mm -hmm. Their children were removed for whatever reason. Their children are placed in a stranger's home. Mm -hmm. You know, know, if it is in a traditional foster home, they don't know who this family is. They don't know how their children are being cared for, what have you. So really in the beginning, they do have, the biological parents have worries about who's caring for their children, right? So, but as long as foster parents, you know, our placement, you know, approach it, approach it with a positive outlook and just speak directly to the biological parents, hey, this is what's been going on, and approach it that way, I think a lot of that animosity can be just washed away. And, and then that court experience, I mean, that was an in-person experience you had, and it, it was probably not until then, and I'm making assumptions here, but... Um, they saw you as humans and you were caring for their, you know, their kiddo and um, they were, they were gracious. So I think that's a really good um, story and a success. Um, um, So do you have any biological children of your own? Yes, we do. We have a four-year-old daughter. um, She's almost five. And so she was three when we first became a licensed foster home. So about a year ago or so? 
Yeah, two summer years. will be two. It's about 18 months. Awesome. So with with having a biological daughter, um, I know there's listeners out there who are maybe hesitant or worried about fostering because of the impact it could have on their own biological children. So can you share how you kind of came to the decision to start fostering with having your biological daughter and even be really honest about yes. – um, uh, your worries and challenges that you had to think through before making the decision to foster. That we did that we weren't going to foster. That we only wanted to have children who were eligible for adoption. Mm-hmm. Like so they'd already, you know, they'd already been through the foster care system and they needed an adoptive home. That was our plan. Primarily because we didn't want to expose our daughter to, you know, children coming in and out all the time. We weren't sure what the impact would be on her. Sure. Um, but, you know, we got a license and opportunities came to have foster kids in our home. And ultimately, we, we ended up saying yes. And, um, of course, every time children came in and out, it was a challenge for our whole family because... Mm-hmm. You know, everything just kind of, everything changed a little or a lot, depending on the, the situation. But what we saw in our daughter was that she, it was easiest, but she handled it easily. She, for her, it just became the new normal. It became normal. Like when sure. she plays with her dolls, her dolls have foster kids. <laughs> oh, says, my gosh. Hey, you know, yeah, That's these cute. are foster kids. Like it just is normal to her. Yeah. Um, and she she knows when kids in our, are in our home that they can leave our home someday, and mm-hmm. she's aware of that and asks about it. And um, even right now, we have um, the baby we have in our home now. We've had him since the day he was born, um, and he's 15 months. And I, you know, and on that situation, you know, she's asking us like, like, okay, but he's ours now, right? Like, mm-hmm. is he going back home? Are you sure he's not ours yet? Like. Um, in, in that situation, it does seem, you know, the goal for him has been changed to adoption, so yeah. we're anticipating that we will, that he will stay in our home forever, mm-hmm. um, but she's keenly aware that he may leave. Yeah. <laughs> she, she hasn't forgotten that. Yeah, and, and, you know, back to, like, how do we, you know, what's the calculus in making that decision? I mean, we consulted, you know, she was three at the time, but we talked to her about what does this mean to have children coming in and to the home who need, you know, need a loving, caring family or support system and, and what her thoughts were on that because if she wasn't on board, it was going to be a really difficult situation. And right. so, you know, part of that included her, you know, dividing up some of her play space, mm-hmm. you know, and not maybe dividing it up, but, you know, yeah, having her, like, here are things I want to share, but also still having things that are hers only. Just like the kids coming in, we always tried to make sure they had things that were special that were theirs. Sure. And then we had our mm-hmm. communal space or communal toys. Um, and that's important. And and for every family, it, it's going to look different in how you make that decision, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. Liz and I both have, you know, some conflict mediation training and facilitation and you know i've i've got a background in human development family sciences i i understand lifespan development adolescent development um i'm not practicing in that degree but i've got well yes you are you're uh, a foster parent you You surely are practicing yeah um uh but um 
but I say that, you know, we, we had a lot of thought, a lot of discussion, a lot of prayer about, you know, what are we okay with and what are we not okay with um, bringing kids in our home who have trauma. I mean, you know, yeah. I'd say, you know, we talk about with the child we have now that, um, well, growing seems to be toddler, he, you know, he's, he's a rarity because he doesn't have maybe that physical or mental trauma. There will be something down the road, sure. you know. Right. But, um, but it's a rarity to have a child who doesn't have memories about how difficult mm-hmm. or emotional yeah. it was to have to be removed from home or, or whatever the situation was. And yeah. so, I mean, you have to evaluate what are you comfortable with. You know, there are different levels of foster parents who have expertise and additional training support. So, you know, not every kid uh, that you have an opportunity to bring in your home has, you know, the worst case scenario experience. I mean, you know, so you you have the ability to say, hey, I'm just not comfortable with this situation or this Mm -hmm. isn't a safe environment for my child, you know, after you inquire and get some more information, you know, uh, you know, about the situation. So you, you have the tools and the opportunity to make an informed decision and, you know, you're not just completely in the dark. I mean, you have some, typically you have some background history, you know, maybe what are some of the needs the mm-hmm. child has and, um, or if it's a sibling group, you know, you know, what, what are the dynamics there and some of that to, to kind of help you make a decision. Is this a safe home? Is this the right home? Is this the appropriate home? Right. And there have definitely been times that we've said no yeah. because of the age of the other children in our home. I sure. Mean, and we're, we always ask that when we get a call, we're always like, okay, well, we currently have a, a four-year-old daughter and, you know, we've got this baby as well. Like, are there any concerns you'd have for them? And I feel like anytime we've posed that question, the caseworkers have always been very sensitive to that and very honest and open. That's really um, great. Yeah. So, I mean, we we feel like we've been able to navigate it and we haven't ever had a situation where we felt like children in our home were unsafe. Right. You know what? You you said so much there that I want to, like, highlight for the listeners um, that it's not just you, you two making those decisions, right? Like I love how, and this will be helpful for future foster families. I love how you sat down with your three-year-old daughter and really uh, talked to her about what it means to have foster kids come in and then potentially leave your home. It sounds like you've been very transparent and open together as a family. It's a family affair to foster. It's not just, you know, the mom and dad. It's right. a, it's it's a total family affair. Um, and I think that will be helpful for people who do have an interest in fostering and maybe have their own biological children. So I love that. I think that's just excellent, excellent advice. Um, and yeah, then I, I also... Can you back on that a little bit? Is it like, Brandon and I also both work full-time. So it also becomes like a, a community. It becomes a community affair because like everybody you work with knows when. Yeah. You have taken on a new, you know, like when I went to the hospital to get the newborn that we have now, like I had to call my boss like, hey, so you know, I'm going to the hospital to get a newborn right now. I've got my laptop. I'll be working remotely for the next two days. Like, I hope that's okay because I already said yes. You know, like yeah. They, so I don't. I don't know how many foster parents out there both have full-time jobs but that's been that's been something that we've had to navigate that we've been fortunate enough or our jobs have been very uh 
they've worked with us and been open to that and supportive, which has really enabled us to do this. That's fantastic that your that your employment is able to work with you. So how do you do it? <clears throat> what I'm meaning is, um, it takes a village. So what are your supports around you that helps you to be able to be foster parents? Well, I think probably number one for us is that both of our jobs allow us the flexibility that when we have needed to say, hey, I've got to take off because I've got three new kids in my home. Uh, you know, the, like the, the very first placement we had, Brandon and I both took off work for a week, which that was our very first one. We were learning a lot. Sure. We, we definitely needed it. Um, after that, then maybe we weren't the right place for emergency <laughs> placement. Um, <laughs> So we, we've learned that through that experience. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think because we went through that first placement, we now know, we, we know better the questions to ask and the things to prepare for knowing that we have full-time jobs. Like, right. um, you know, we know, and like, thankfully we've got like daycares and preschools and schools around us that we've been very impressed with how well they work with us. Like mm-hmm. that first sibling group of three, we, I mean, yes, Brian and I did take off work for a week, but in the span of a couple of days, we got the five-year-old and the 18-month-old places in daycares. Wow. And, like, you know, and then Brandon was going to keep the newborn while he was working remotely. Like it just, you know, we, we just sort of figured it out, but we've been impressed with the daycares and the schools in our community and how they are how quickly they are able to respond, get the paperwork to us that needs to be filled out, and, like, quickly open up places so that they can help support us in bringing yeah. kids into our home. Yeah. And we've had, you know, we've had friends come um, from up to an hour and a half to two hours away when we needed help. Like, I think about wow. that first placement again. I mean, we people had had brought us clothes and donations and things to assist. We were getting meals from, from friends and from members from church. Um, and then we had friends that came back again, and they realized we had not sorted through those clothes and those donations because they just stopped what they were doing and started doing laundry, started sorting through oh. the clothes and, and helping us because, you know, I don't know how any family manages more than, like, one child uh, so when we got a we went from one to four, uh, oh, yeah. that that was a, a a huge undertaking, and and people just came out to support us, and mm. and and that had been that was that was really special, and, and people we didn't even really know. I mean, you know, there's people that we knew through the community. You know, whether it's see them at church, but we don't have a good relationship, or they work at the grocery store and know our situation. Um, for them to just show up and drop off, you know, a meal. Yeah, or... I mean, there's a woman, I can't even tell you what her name is to this day. I see her around, I know who she is, and I see her, yeah. she's very kind, but she just showed up at our house and brought us, like, a casser- a kid-friendly casserole to serve for lunch. Oh, like, just my God. showed up out of nowhere right at lunchtime and was like, I thought this might have lunch today. That's um, at this point, that's, I don't know how much that story is helping with recruitment. I, no, I think, it like, is. The big, story, <laughs> the big story is maybe just that, like, our first placement was the hardest. Mm-hmm. Yes. We did take three all at once. Mm-hmm. But we learned so much from it. And I think every one of the placements we've had after that, like, we've, we've handled in much better stride. We just, we just really learned a lot in the first six days that we have our first placement. 
I think that's really good for I think that's really good for others to hear that because it's just an example of that first placement was really tough and you learned a lot and it seems like each one after it gets a little better and a little easier and you're just learning so much along your journey. Um, I'm glad you shared that about people showing up at your home and and making you casseroles because uh, I think some advice and what you're saying here is it's okay to reach out to your community. It's okay to rely on your community. You need that support as a foster parent because it's hard, right? It's hard, especially in your example when your very first placement is three kiddos and boom, it just went to four kids in your home. Yeah, it was wild. Um, So I think for those listening, you know, reach out to your local community get to know people that are in your community and and who you can call and and supports that you may need I think some shy away from that you know um and it's the opposite that's you need the community to kind of help and support you as foster parents um do you know what a foster parent ambassador is yes and we are although I would say we have not been as engaged in recent months as we'd like to be. But so you are? That, we are. Yeah. That's amazing. That makes it, oh my goodness. So what what led you to want to become an ambassador? So what led us to be uh, part of the ambassadors program is really, you know, we mentioned the experience with the 17-year-old we had and how there just weren't a lot of homes available in the area. Uh, specifically in our community, we wanted to change that. And so we've tried to find different methods and opportunities and connect with other um, services that aren't children's division to try to see how we can recruit and promote um, foster care in the area. You know, we one of the challenges we run into is finding respite care. And so the people who say, I don't know what I can do, I don't know how I could handle kids coming in and out of my home, my answer then is, great, can you give me 24, 48, 72 hours when I need to take care of something where you step in for me and not necessarily for the kids, and then you don't have to deal with that huge emotional loss that's being attached for maybe even a week or two weeks or a couple of months. And so that's that's a critical resource, you know, that we need. Because we don't have a lot of family here. We're fortunate enough to have my mom. We moved her up here um, a couple of years ago. Um, But... You know, outside of that, we don't have aunts, uncles, grandparents in the area. So if right. we don't have friends who can help us, you know, we're really limited. So, you know, being ambassadors, you know, it, was just, it just made sense to be able to get some of the recruitment materials and then just add some legitimacy behind some of our own effort to try to go out and recruit and, mm-hmm. and promote to get more families in the area. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's some of why we're doing this podcast, right? right. We want to reach as many people that may be interested in fostering as we can. Um, so I'm, I know my heart's smiling and, um, we'll be reaching out. I know I will be Brandon and Elizabeth reaching out to you outside of this. Um, cause I'm learning you're an ambassador. So I'm really excited about this. Um, okay. So Brandon and Elizabeth, um, if you could give me in one sentence, if I was interested in being a foster parent, what would that sentence be? Do it. There you go. Do it. You're in my head. Um, do it. 
Um, I just want to thank you. I know Jessica thanks you for just taking the time to talk to us today and being a part of this podcast. Um, We appreciate your service. And we truly look forward to continuing our work with you. All right. Bye, Brandon and Elizabeth. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Brandon and Elizabeth were fantastic, weren't they? Uh, And they're an ambassador. Yay. I know. I was so excited to hear that. But what I keep going back to with this podcast Mm -hmm. is him finding out that his bio, that his dad runs deep was not his actual biological father i can't even imagine it. and just thinking about how our kiddos in foster care that are adopted if they were adopted as babies they they may may or may baby. not we don't know i think the 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 takeaway that i take away from that and uh, similar to the other families we've interviewed is we we have a trend, and yeah. that means that doing this kind of work, it runs deep. It runs deep in someone's heart. I mean, Brandon's a good example of he, him finding out he was adopted. And, yeah. I mean, several of our other podcasts, um, foster parents, there's something. I mean, we also had one that she was a foster kid herself. I mean, it's it's... It's interesting how it's all connected, right? And I think they said a lot of really great things. Uh, They talked about, you know, older youth, um, having even an adult in their home, which was the 18-year-old girl. I loved what they said about meeting their needs, meeting the the kids' needs. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about being a a resource for them. Yeah, it wasn't about what they thought they could do. It was about what what the child needed. I loved that, that um, I think a lot of people out there are hesitant to become foster parents because of their own biological children, and their example was they have a three-year-old. They sat down with their three-year-old daughter and had a conversation, and their daughter understands what it means to be a foster child, the in and out of their home, and I think that open transparency is, it has to happen. Well, because now she has Barbies that are that has foster kids. And I guarantee you, 20 years from now, we're going to learn that she's a foster parent. Yes. It runs deep. It runs deep. It does. Um, this it was sure a does. really, really good interview. Um, and I'm glad to hear that they're an ambassador. Yes. Um, any other? That's a wrap, Shasta. That's a wrap. That's, That's a, a wrap. wrap. Well, I want to thank you all for listening to the Call to Foster podcast. Um, it was a really great interview today. Um If you are interested in becoming a foster parent, you can always search the web at dss.mo.gov backslash cd. You can also contact your local children's division office and ask about being a foster parent. And it's that easy. We can get you connected. Please subscribe, share. Um, We need more families. Um, Appreciate you listening. Until next time. Adios. Bye. At the Department of Social Services, we are dedicated to inspiring more Missourians to help us provide quality, loving homes to the children in our care. Help us reach our future foster parents by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this podcast on your social media platforms. 